0: Welcome, children, to Ghostman Horror House Podcast UK. And tonight, children, I am reading you Don't Turn on the Light, a short story by Max China. Please do not be scared while I read this story, and try not to scream. Cassidy turned the, t- the car into the driveway, gravel propped, and crunched beneath the tyres as he and his wife Shirley leaned towards, forwards for a better look at their pro- se- pro- pro- prospective projects. A hundred yards away, a white, weathered, boarded house buckled by time and covered with lichen. Stood under a soft red clay tiled roof, nestled among the greenery of the trees and shrubs, the walls glowed in the early mornings. Early morning sunshine, pastel bathed and yellow tinged like a hazy watercolor painting. Oh, Frank, it's beautiful," Shirley said and smiled, her clear blue eyes. Taking the lines of the crooked brick chimneys in Victorian sash windows through walled iron gates ahead, she caught a tantalizing glimpse of a walled garden. Her face evaporated. What on earth is that metal monstrosity in the trees over there? Frank stopped the car. What? he said. It's an old. Radio transmission, tell her. But don't worry. If if we decide to go for the place, we'll get rid of it. He swivelled in her direction and pointed. Her gaze followed his finger, as it traced a wide arc. See all that land from the hedge down here, right up to the tree line over the back. She nodded and combed a, a hand through her long dark hair. Close to the hills, he said, turning. Look out of the driver's side window. Over here there he stared her face towards the object of her attention. <laughs> Almost a mirror. Image three acres altogether. The kids love it. Shirley's eyes return to the tower. They will. But what but that thing has to go. Two months later. Exhausted by the outheaval of the move and trying to supervise the destruction distribution of furniture and packing cases around the, their new home. Shirley set to work to bring order from chaos while Frank kept the children occupied outside. Come on, Frank Come on, Frankie he said. He, he, he said to his young daughter. This is your last Friday together. Before you go back to school and we're supposed to be playing hide and seek. This is the second time I find you climbing that feet. Now will you get down from from there here there? excavated. He shook his head. She climbed to a height of almost ten feet. Look, Look at her, Bobby. She's only five, two years younger, but far more sensitive, I swear, she thinks she's a boy. His words carried through the open door in, into the house. A moment later, Shirley appeared, hands on her hips. Get down, young lady, she, she yelled. Oh, the little girl said, and eased her way down into Frank, Frank's waiting arms. "'You mustn't do that again. "'You may fall Besides, it's rosting old. "'Could give you middle spincers. "'He tilted his head and looked up. "'The structure soared towards one hundred feet. "'The aerial on top seemed to disappear into infinity. "'Come on, let's move away.' "'Shirley sorted into the lawn and the road track. "'I hate that thing,' she said. If I wanted to live in the shadow of the Alfa Tua, I would have had a house in Paris. No wonder they had to sell this place to seal bidders. We wouldn't have been able to afford it any other way. I bet it was far. It was a little more than the land was worth. I can't believe we want it. I know. But I will be happy. Just come." Nodded. Frank nodded and looked away. He had already spoken with the local authorities about the possibility of moving it. He informed it it was a listed feature. It had to stay. He hadn't told Shirley the outcome. He broke it to her gently once they had settled in. Shirley called the children for supper and smiled as they devoured their food. Daddy says I'm not allowed to play on the big frame, climbing frame anymore, But I want to climb on to the top. Frankie said. I want to climb on the top to the top. Bobby Bobby echoed. No, is no one is climbing anywhere on that thing. It's far too dangerous. Besides, we're having it taken down. It's a horrible and ugly. But mum, no, but mum. But it, young lady, it comes down, and that's that.' She cleared the plates from the table. "'Right, you two, go find your daddy of yours and say good-night to him.' In the back room, Frank hunched over a coffee table, tinkering with an old crystal radio set. "'For God's sake, there's so, there's so much to do, and you're playing around with that thing.' Shirley planted her fists on her hips. He laughed. You don't like, you, don't, you look like a trophy when you stand like that. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist rigging it up when I thought about what kind of signal I might pick up for the old terrier. And as if the children came in, to the clo- came in close to the c- table. What is it, Daddy? Frankie asked. It's a radio. I made it with my father when I was about your age. Catching Charlie's frown, he grinned. OK, I may have been a bit older, but I did most of it myself. Bobby stretched a finger out to touch it. Careful, Bobby, The only parts you can handle are the, the hippies and the, dialy, the turning dial. I'll finish setting it up and show you both how it works in the morning. He sat down in the armchair and patted his knees. Come on, you two, give your daddy a big hug. Almost as one, they scrambled to his lap, for his lap, and climbing on, pulled themselves tight to his chest, gripping their teeth as he completed to see who could squeeze the hardest. Here comes the dirty bear hug. The children squealed as he played, crushed them with his arms, showed his laughter, and walked to the door. Come on, you lot. I haven't got all night. Half an hour later, Shirley microwaved a pre packed dinner for the two of them. While the table turntable spun slowly around, she noticed the lights in the kitchen keep flickering on and off. Do you think the wine's okay? She said and fingered the deepening worry line in her forehead. I told you we should. We got it checked before we moved in. Yes, we you did. But you know how busy you've been working on other people's houses. However, is it. Whatever it is, it can be sorted. I'll check it out tomorrow. If you box in, isn't the house, must be in the basement. He shifted through those labeled keys on the table. There isn't one here, but down there. You didn't pick it up, did you? No, I didn't. It, is it locked then? It was. When we first came round, you remember? No, I don't. You must have had the key when we originally came. Everything was such a rush. We had to get our bid in. You couldn't... You didn't look in the basement? He grimaced. No, no. but look. I, I said before, the money we offered was ridiculous, and we agreed on that. You, you told me everything was fine. How could you say that if you hadn't looked everywhere? He searched his face. Isn't there something else you haven't? Is there anything else you haven't told me? A moment passed. No, he said. The microwave pinged. She Shirley got up. Frank stood from, with her. He took her in his, his, her hand in his. Everything would be fine. Are you sure? You could be, a bloody river, right? running through the basement for all we know. He leaned back as she could see his face grimace. Tomorrow I'll get it open and you'll see there's nothing to worry about. Her eyes scowl touched her lips. I'm glad you finally bet your old confident self. Time is a great healer, he said, looking at the floor. Charlie slipped her hands free, set about dishing up the food. Too tired for conversation, they ate in silence. Shelly finished her meal and stood up. Would you like something else? Frank rocked back into his, in his chair, balancing it on two legs. He raised an eyebrow. I'm in food, I'm too tired for that. I know, he said. Let's, have the, let's leave the cleaning up and have an early night. She topped the plates on the table and put them in the washbowl ran the tap and squeezed washing up liquid in this will take only a minute will you plumb the dishwasher in for me tomorrow he, he did not he didn't answer she finished at the sink and tried her hands on the ta- ta- teeth off frank she said and wandered into the bedroom, back room he had, had his back to her he knelt at the table fiddling with his beloved radio I knew you couldn't wait to keep your hands back on that thing," she said. He removed the earpiece, laid it, laid down, and stood, turning to face her. "Sorry, you started washing up, and I had to understand. I had to understand why it wasn't working." She smiled. "You fix it tomorrow. You can fix it tomorrow. Let's go to bed." Passing the basement door, Shirley stopped, stepped back a pace, and pressed her into it. A brow frowned, she crossed sideways. ''Do you hear that?'' ''What is it?'' ''What is it?'' he said. He said. ''Listen.'' He shrugged and leaned his head closer. Like, ''I can't hear anything.'' ''You can't hear that? It sounds like there's a bloody dynamo running down there.'' ''I'm going to take a look.'' She tried to handle without success. Didn't I, just, ''Didn't I tell you?'' he, he said. It's locked. Are you sure it's not going to blow up? It's th- nothing to worry about. Let's get a bed. I'll, go to, I'll get to the bottom of it in the morning. At the foot of the stairs, he flipped off the last ground floor lights and grabbed her swinging up over his shoulder in the fireman's lift. He scythed a scream and beat him playfully with her fist. Stop it. I told you, I'm too tired. Shush," he said. He said resistance. resistance is futile.' Besides, you wake up the kids." He st- he staggered a few steps and, reaching the top, set her down on the landing. She wrapped her arms around his neck and brushed his lip, his lips with hers. "We're going to be, we're going, we are going to be so happy here," she whispered. "I know," he said. She led him into the bathroom bedroom and closed the door. Downstairs in the passageway, the light glowed for the previous instant before going out again, while outside, the tip of the, of the radio mask lit, radiating a pale blue luminescence. Sunlight flickered into the room, eliminating dust motes. Frank opened his eyes and blinked, uncertain if he was awake, and if his failure the night before had been real. It played in his mind, as if to convince him. I don't believe it. I was ready all the way up the stairs. I was ready. Frank rolled off his wife and lay back on his back. We've had a stressful day, Shelley said. Doesn't matter. It does to me. Try to relax, she whispered. Her fingertips traced the line of her hair down his chest of his abdomen. I can't. It's only been it's only been a year. It's been a year too long. She turned towards him and propped herself on a herself on an elbow. You you'll be fine once we settle in, things are normal again. Frank started stared at the ceiling in silence. You haven't got you haven't got any hang up over it. Don't you see? I'm all I'm not better until it, until it never recurs. Realisation it had happened again bore on him like a weight. a pressure of his head mounted. A critical moment followed. He could have easily succumbed to, to sleep, sunk in despair, but he learned to cope. Inch by inch he clawed back from the brink of a place he no longer wanted to see. He turned over and glanced at the time of his alarm clock. Six a.m. If he rose now, he could get the job done before Shirley awoke. Up, he surprised her with the news. Tell her, I fixed it. He grinned. It was a clincher. Careful not to disturb her. He slid out of the bed and dressed silently. He would show her after. He had. He went to work in the basement. His trepidation grew with uncertainty of what he might find. It was unlikely to be an electrical problem he couldn't fix. What if it was more than that? She joked about a river trip running through the house. What if it was dampness and it was causing a system short? What if it had been da- damp for years and the foundations were crumbling? Get a grip, Frank. Isn't going to do be, be anything like that besides he reminded himself. You got it cheap. That is what... Well, that... That is, with the money left over, he could rebuild basement if he needed be. For a moment he wondered if they should have t- had the place surveyed after all. Frank shook, he- shook the doubt from his head. I don't think he knew for sure. He had been in the new house for only one night, and only he knew he wanted to spend the rest of his life there. After coffee and toast breakfast, he collected his tall bag and placed it next to the locked basement door. Leaning close to it, he heard the sound Shirley had described the night before. He dropped on one knee and peered through the keyhole. Blot, he rammed through the bag, finding a small screw, used to hook a plug of a, of accommodated dirt and hair, pulled it free and discarded it onto the door, floor. He pissed. He pursed his lips close to the hole and blew to ensure it was fully cleared Before looking through to check, a piece of grit flew into his eye as it went to the draught, freed of all resistance, continued a journey, denied it for years. Shit! Frank closed his eye, carefully tugged the upper lid before it over the lower rim, swimming his eyeball behind, Oh. Releasing the lid, an old trick. Learned from his father. He blinked, believed it had worked. Someone had deliberately plugged that hole with a hair, or maybe just caught some wool. Gone black with dirt and dust. Drafty keyhole. Another job to list, add to the list. He took the jimmy from the bag and laid it down. He used it as a last resort, but first he tried picking the lock. Taking a large paper-clip from his pocket, he unbent it, kinking one end with a pair of pliers into a series of light angles that, with a little imagination, resembled a key. Almost there, he held the handle as he inserted a clip into the keyhole. The door clicked open. The sound had grown l- heard, grew louder. He examined the lock. It needed oiling. But it didn't appear faulty. I, I didn't. I didn't turn down the tumblers. Maybe it was just stiff. and locked all along. As tears set it down into the pitch darkness, his fingers explored the surface of the wall beyond the jab, searching for a switch and finding it. it turned it on. A single naked bulb lit the way. For soon, between the cobwebs dust laid in heavy, bellowed gently on a persistent draught, blowing up from somewhere below. Picking up his tool bag, Frank descended one hand, held aloft, his dark shirt, shirt, shirt sleeves shivering as he cleared a path through clinking strands. No one had been here, here for years, at the bottom of the staircase, eliminated from beyond. The entrance of a long passageway way beckoned. High ceiling, it seemed to stretch far. Past the confines of the house, none of the dangling bulbs had lamp- shades. Electric popped and fizzled. Lights dimmed and flared. Paint blistered in patches and flaked from the walls. He scratched a piece. It came away, crumbled between his hands and thumb. Damp. Whitewatch, damp. He had to scrape it off if he wanted to redecorate. A series of doors were visible along the left side. The first stood open, revealing looked, looked like what looked like a workshop come office containing a desk and storage racking. The racks were full of tools and accessories. One full shelf was filled with light bulbs, coming handy the next door wouldn't open he came back to it and a sign pinned into it do not turn on the lights. Frank supposed it might have once been a dark room the thought of coming across old photographs appealed to him he tried the door again he didn't want to waste time on unnecessary distractions but the constant hum was it coming from there he turned his head and put it close Not wanting his ear to touch the door, the sound was coming from the floor. He dropped to his knees, listening intently. Yes, there were. That's where it was coming from, puzzled. He stood. First he'll find the fuse board, and he'll have a good look around. Moving around the passage, the level of draught increased suddenly. Drawing his attention at the far end, he caught sight of a woman's bare calf as it disappeared through an open door. What the hey who's here an uncomfortable sense of foreboding settled on him he hadn't heard any movement there was no footprints in the dust laying the floor apart from his own who could be down here anyway fear drained from the warmth of his skin electrostatic wave of goose-fetch cut over him he stood he should go back he knew he should get chilly but his own denial there's no such things as ghosts compelled him to stay outside the room his hackles rose higher his skin prickling overheard head the bulbs dimmed with a low hum the currents surged back and lights flared he inhaled sharply a musty smell and bitter taste of dust confined in his senses Pulling apart, droopy spiders, silk cobrays. He entered. No living thing been through here in years. He released pent up breath, relieved that the woman's leg was just his imagination. At high level, a brush light penetrated the dark painted out glass in the windows. Frank stared at them, questioned why he had no citizen when he was outside. From where he stood, the number of steps he'd taken to descend, he guessed the sills would be some eighteen inches above the ground. But where? He had it at the back of the flower bed in the walled garden. Satisfied at least what at least worked some something out, he approached the five side of the room. A kiln, kiln stood adjacent to a potter's wheel, a clay pudd, a table of array of hard finished crumbled pieces. Back out in the corridor, rolls of dewbox draped in cobwebs flowed, lighting up in the corner, whirling away as a record dropped into the turntable. Coloured neon flash, protecting light all around him. Protecting light all around him and show a show of crazy psychedelia. Processes of millimetric engines started and stored. None of it made sense. Had he really woken up this morning? Would he be woken at awakened at any moment, still in bed next to Shelly. What the fuck is going on? Is this a panic attack? Jesus, not again. Don't lose it, Frank. Focus. He closed his eyes and grasped his hands together, stuck in the air, blowing it out between his thumbs in and out. Deep-rooted fear gripped him. No, this is not how it started. This is something else. The faults rose in his consciousness. Things he hadn't considered in years. The fuse books. That's why you're here, Frank. Focus. The humming intensified as he approached. The lights flared. Flickered. Then went out. Holy Jesus, can't see a thing. The figments glowed orange. He yellow back to orange. He had to find the fuses before they failed completely. Frank returned to the door with a warning sign on it. Jimmy inserted between the jab and the lock, both hands holding it firm. He pushed hard against it with his hip, steadily increasing the pressure. Come on, the frame splintered, and the door creaked open. Frank felt for the switch and turned on the light. On the all opposite, a black-and-white carnival flyer drew his eye and blazoned across the top. A furry headline announced, for Edward barracks and his amazing magic show see the doctor of electricity perform his death-disappearing stunts dropping his case frank took in the curly, handsome image but the man who formed a centrepiece sparkles very pleasant in his top hat and dressed in black his spothering eyes held him memorised frank stood nodded, and winked at him acknowledging that the turn-of-century magician took the part, Not the parts. He ran his eyes over the subtitles, below the portrait. Beatriz Sensation, the magic the Magic circle Side Shows and freaks. The print was incredibly sharp, and dark a room had preserved the ink. It hadn't faded at all. He leaned closer, Cloris, it was a reproduction. Was it a reproduction in the dark sheen of the inking dark? Backroom, Frank detected movement. He peered closer, next to sparkles, the ghostly likeness of a curly blonde head. Stage assistant appeared. She looked like an early version of Mamma a Marimono. In the background, surrounding them, a sinister group of fair ground attentions loomed and vanished. No longer trusting his senses, he pitches have satisfied his imagination with playing tricks. This was no dark room. A bench ran the whole entire length of the wall below the poster, on top of it constructed from a array of copper coils, glass vacuum tubes and valves sat at strange apparatus that resembled the inners of an early radio transmitter. His interest aroused. He approached the equipment for a better look. The fragments came to life, growing red light red, orange and yellow, humming, turning white turned white-hot cast light into the poster above particles of dust rose and hung like autumn mist cracking with its static electricity a faint burning smell drifted into his nostrils must turn it off no cutter switch he looked for the incoming supply with no electric control panel visible and built up of static greater than he had ever experienced he had to he had to warn Shirley. Get the kids out of the house. Panic-stricken, he backed out of the room and collided with someone. Full of trepidation, he spun around. Sparkles. Frank opened his mouth to speak. No words came. His hate heart hammered, draining him of oxygen. He gulped for air. More catches from the post and materialized, hemming him in. A stage assistant struck an icy finger into his chest above the heart, declaring you're one of us now frank's skin came alive in sensation a million tiny bubbles bursting on it as if someone had doused him in the champagne the magician stared half amused his face luminescent bathed in his father's official light a cruel smear on his lips overhead the bulb dimmed. anger flashed in sparkle's eyes the power cut out and the eerie silence reigned over the darkness when the lights came back on. Sparkles and the rest of the men in, in group had vanished. Bucking at the knees, Frank wrenched, almost fainting, dry mouthed and confused. He rushed against the stairs and Shirley, get the kids out of the house. He reached the end of the passageway and the lights faded, almost going out. Shirley, he, he cried, did you hear me? He yanked out. He ain't out his phone to call her. The screen was blank. Impossible. I only charged it last night. A heavy hand seized him by the wrist and dragged him into the room with the desk. Save your breath. No one can hear you from here. In a dark, half dark half light said the hulking figure of a man as wide as doorway and taller. What the world? Frank stammered, back taken aback of fear. Who are you? How did you get in here? He hadn't had a problem with his status since he was been ill. There was a fire. We, we, we have to get out. Calm down. There's no fire. Smells like there will be, but it never happens. Who am I? I'm the caretaker. I've been here a long time. The name's Cutter. I've been here since the Sparkles family bought the place back in nineteen hundred and f- and three. 1903? Frank snatched his hand free and rubbed at his eyes and both fists disbelief, expecting Cutter to be gone when he took his hands away. A hulking man was still there. Face it, Frank. It is a Frank, isn't it? Pulling out the chair, Cutter motioned him to sit. The sooner you set things, the better it be. Frank stared at the desktop. The dust had gone, replaced with a polished sheen. This isn't real. He whispered, reaching out to wipe the desk. His, and his clean finger tips with incredibility. Cutter stood, tapped his head, and shifted his bulk sideways through the door.
1: Oh, wait a
0: minute! Where do you think you're going? This is my house. Cutter it wavered. There, not any more. He isn't. I stand away from Molly. She's mine. No, no, Cutter. Wait a minute. He tugged at the back of his shirt. He tugged at the back of his shirt. The big man turned and plucked hand, Frank's hand away with two fingers as if removing a piece of lint. Don't touch me, Frank, I'm warning. You. But who are the people I saw? Those people? I'll stay away from them if I were you. Keep your head down, get used to it, you'll be fine. I don't understand. Look, he said. Look. He did something. The magician sparkles. He messed about with electricity for some vanity tricks he was working on in that room. Lord only knows. He did. But it went wrong. Molly turned on the light. It caused a dip in the amount of energy available. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it, would you? A tiny light bulb. his cut a hang his, cut hung his head. We're all struck, stuck here now. Can't get back. I don't know what to do. Even, I don't know what to do, even if I could. I'm dreaming. This can't be real. Frank stared at the floor in dismay, cuter-eyed him, his expression gentler. It doesn't seem real, but I'm here, and you're here. No. Damn it. Even a dream you feel solid. I get scared and you're in a dream. You sounds like you don't believe me. The giant shook his hand. You go in denial. What about the stomach? Did you stammer in your dreams? His mind raced searching for a logical solution. So it did. So it had something to do with my, my turning the light on. I activated that machine. Well, Carter rolled his eyes. Heavenward, hallelujah. Well, can't we fix it? I tried. I tried. Don't you think I did what I did? i done all those years ago. Carter scratched his chin trouble is the problem in the other world not here we can't fix well from where we are what about sparkles can he fix it he doesn't want to he takes up for that little group of his kidding up to evil things he almost appears when some th- fool he knows the sign and turns on the light that doesn't make sense why why would he do that? Where's Molly, by the way? I told you, Frank. She's mine. No one, I Ah, he said, taking a big breath, and hailing slowly, controlling the stammer. Cutter, has anyone else been struck down here, apart from us? Let me see. Over the years, we've had quite a few. There a singer brought a magic, a magic, magic, music machine with him, Jim somebody, or whatever, and even a member of the House of Lords. Then, where are they? That's why I asked where Molly was. Sparkle takes them. One way or another, try to escape, and you'll find out. Me and Molly were different. We know we're stuck here forever. Let Frank look forsaken. Jesus, what am I going to do? Are you down there, Frank? Silly Frank, where are you? Why didn't, you, why didn't you wake up? Watching the stairs, he saw her feet come into view and stepped towards her. He looked straight at him. I'm here, his voice quivered with relief. The strangest things have been happening. So, he wouldn't believe he, she she walked right through him. Stunned, he didn't immediately react. He rushed after her and grabbed for her, his hands frankly grasping. Unable to find out, Find any purchase? Any other purchase, Frank? She. Her worried line deepened as he checked each room without success. Why don't you answer me? The enormity of his situation hit him. For a second, he contemplated life without her. He couldn't face an eternity alone. Flashes his life as Shirley danced before him. The first thing, time, he made. I counted across the busy airport lounge, that smile, their wedding, the vows. Only death would part them. He could have given anything to spend one more moment with her, to tell her, tell her one more time. All she had to do was turn on light. They would be together. She arrived at the room with a sign on the outside, but the door was open. She hadn't seen it. Frank thought, thought, his, thought of his kids, the things in me, said he, the both lost, lost both parents. At least they'd have each other, he agonized. He fumbled in the darker room for the light switch, eyes filled with tears. He willed with all his might. Don't turn on the lights.